How are you? Good morning, good morning. Actually, it's not morning any longer, is it? Hey, I just found a whole bunch of these out in the lobby, and uh, I see people fanning themselves. It's hot this morning, so I'm just going to give these to somebody, and if y'all want to run them around, Ed, can you give those to somebody and y'all throw them around? There we go. If you want one, just wave your hand and we'll get you a fan, and uh, we're bringing back the 60s, bringing back the 60s with our fans. No perfect people allowed fans. Well, good morning. And I said that a minute ago, it's not morning, so it's double mistake. So good afternoon. How are you guys? Good. All right. Well, uh, we'll pass those fans out and feel free to just whatever you want to grab. If it's a lady's hair in front of you and it's long, just wave it around. That's all good. If the guy's bald, you're going to have to tap him and say you're going to have to move. Um, that's a bad joke. All right. So, yeah, it is my birthday. So, uh, gosh, I, uh, yeah. Yeah, clap for the old guy. That's all the older people clapping for me. If you're younger than 45, I determined that you think that, that I am very, very, very old, right? If you're older than 45, you are now my new best friend because you actually think that uh, I'm young. So uh, I have contemplated this week uh, what it is to turn 45, and uh, I've, ha- I've come to a couple new revelations. I have finally figured out the secret sauce as it pertains to preaching. Uh, I've learned now that I'm 45 that uh, the secret of preaching is having a very, very good beginning and a really, really good ending and to have those two as close together as possible. So that's the secret. This morning, that's what I've learned in my age. Thank you, Dan Brim, uh, for sending that email to me. So uh, it is good to be with you this morning. We are in a series called I Love My Church, and uh, we started out the very first week talking about uh, the fact that this series is not about this church. It's about the church. And the very first week we made very, very clear that the reason we can love the church is because Jesus is the reason for everything. And we said from the very beginning when we launched this church, that would always, always, always be our aim and our goal to make Jesus' name famous. We made it very clear it's not about my name. It's not about Jeff Murphy. It's not about a pastor. It's not about any pastor. It's not about the people of the church per se, although we play a mighty, mighty role, as we'll talk about that this morning. But the whole thing that this is all about should be none other and after no other name other than Jesus. And so we said as a church, that's why we do what we want, what we do, because we want Jesus' name to be made famous. So that was week one last week. Thank you to my mentor, Kirk Nowry, who was here speaking. He did a phenomenal job. I was here in this hour. The earlier hour was not because I had not made my way back from summer camp. Um, and so anyway, so you all are definitely using the fans. If you are still one of the hot people, and I say that in terms of not good looking, but you are literally temperature, you're hot. Um, you find you a fan, get under it. And uh, if you're not hot, you know, just slide out, let someone who's hot get in that spot. Um, all right, so my wife kept on reminding me this week that I was having a birthday. And she said, baby, you're turning 45. And I was like, oh, my gosh. It really caught me by surprise. I don't think of myself in that term of those digits. Um, and then she reminded me, this was sobering for me, that my mom died at 46. So when you're 45 and your mom dies at 46, this week has been like a perspective week for me. Uh, my health is great, so that's not an issue I'm completely ready whenever the Lord wants to take me. 
But I, I had a lot of time to think this week, just thinking about what my life has counted for just thus far. And then I began to think about our church, what our church has counted for thus far. And what I want to do this morning is I want to help us grasp something. If this is like the only message I ever got to preach again, I feel like this is probably the most important thing I could say to us. This is what God's impressed on my heart this week. This is the scripture that he's shown me. He showed me this week. It's, it's something I've read before, scripture that I know. But God just really, really this week just really downloaded to me what I feel like is imperative for us to know as a church. And I wanted to tell you why I love our church. The reason I love our church is because of what God's been doing in our church. I look across uh, this room and uh, last hour, and I recognize so many people that have come to Christ through this church. We have had hundreds, literally hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people bow the knee and make Jesus leader and forgiver of their life, meaning they went from darkness to life. They went from, like, I'm not saved to save. They went from, like, I've got no hope of a good future, but I've got eternity set because Jesus has been my rescuer and my redeemer. And I'm very proud of that. I'm, I'm proud last week, you guys, if you were here in this hour, we baptized 15 people last week. And every one of those, yeah, you can clap for that. That's awesome. I mean, that's huge, right? That's huge. Huge. And it's huge for many of us knowing that that was once where many of us were. Uh, on the other side of knowing that God gave His Son to give us life, to forgive us, to give us an eternity with Him for all, forever in heaven. And that's a huge deal. And so I wanted to kind of kick this conversation out today by saying when Jesus called his first followers, like the first few guys, the first two, the first four, the first five, verse 12, when Jesus began to call his first followers, do you realize that he made his agenda for what he wanted to make them, how he wanted them to follow? He made his agenda very, very clear right up front to his first followers. He, um, and what's so ironic about what he said I want to make you is completely different from what I thought or I would think that Jesus would say right off the bat to somebody. I would have thought, you know, Jesus handpicking his first few guys would have made them something different than what he said in the passage I'm going to show you. Jesus, um, Jesus didn't come out and say, I want to make you, uh, and especially coming from Jesus the Messiah, like the Holy One, I would have thought the first thing out of his mouth was, I want to make you more spiritual. I literally would have thought, I'm going to make you more holy like me. Or I'm going to make you, you know, somebody going to make you a better husband. <laughs> somebody going to make you a better mother, a better, better wife. Or, you know, I think of all the things that I would want Jesus to make me, like God would help me be more disciplined. God help me to be uh, smarter or, you know, better, better all these type things. That's not how Jesus started things out with his first followers. He came right out of the gate and says, I'm going to make you something. And if you will allow me along the way as you follow me to become what I want to make you, it will revolutionize what happens on this globe and what happens in your heart. And as a church, this morning I was thinking about this and I thought, my gosh, this is Mark chapter 1. So if you got your Bible this morning, I want you to look in Mark. It's the second book in the New Testament. If you got your Bible, grab it. Underline it. This is a, this is a passage that like, we, all of us need to see and soak in. If you've got a, a, a mobile device of any type, look this up. Mark chapter 1. It is, again, the second book in the New Testament. So it goes Matthew, Mark. If you're in Luke or John, 
Acts, Romans, you've gone too far, come back a few books. But in Mark chapter 1, verse 14, uh, Jesus comes right out of the gate and begins to uh, bring on his first followers. Guys, I want you and you and you and you, and he begins to go around and do this. So I'm going to read to you Mark's account. And as I share Mark's account, just know that Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are all similar accounts, or at least have this story in their story of what they wrote. But I wanted to read and show you Mark because I think it says it uniquely. So Mark writes uh, and says, after John was put in prison. Now, this is John the Baptist. So as after John was put in prison, it says that Jesus went into Galilee, proclaiming the good news of God. So Jesus is on the scene, uh, and he's proclaiming, like, the good news, telling people, okay, the time has come. Literally, he said, the time has come, he said. The kingdom of God has come near. It's, it's time for us to get ready for that. I want you to repent, and I want you to believe this good news. So here we have Jesus um, proclaiming the good news of God. And I want to just say up front that um, if, if you've ever seen this word repent before, repent all through the Old Testament and the New Testament basically means the same thing. Jesus says, I want you to know that something awesome is coming, but for you to experience it, you've got to repent, meaning you've got to turn away from the old, turn away from maybe what binds you or has crippled you or has hurt you or, you know, walk away from the junk that, like, it's got you. You know, the, the Bible speaks of sin, doing wrong stuff, making mistakes. Anybody ever done something wrong before? All right. So Jesus is saying, hey, if you want to experience, like, life, if you want to experience all of God and his goodness, it starts with turning away from the old and turning towards Jesus. And what he says is, if you will do that, then you will experience God. If you don't turn toward God, you're going to miss out on something awesome, right? That's a little Jeff Murphy um, verbiage there. Now, uh, I want to show you a picture real quick that is my family. Um, that's my family this summer, just several weeks back, a few weeks back. And that is like in the Atlanta airport getting ready to board a plane. Now, my wife has this thing, you know, we, we love making memories. We're always talking about, all right, Murphys, we're going to make a memory. This is going to be the greatest vacation ever. And, you know, sometimes we, we try to get the picture to say this is the start of the vacation, this is the end, and you maybe put the book, the book together or whatever. All right, but that picture right there, we're all, all smiles, right? If we'd have taken a picture an hour and 15 minutes later, you would have seen a very angry, angry me because we were walking to the airport very casually, on our way to our flight with about an hour and 15 minutes to spare, but lo and behold, the security line was very, very long. So once time elapsed, and we're looking at the watches, we're looking at the watches, we got put in a family line to go through security, which don't let them do that, by the way, because it takes you much longer. We thought, all right, family line, we're going to get, like, excused through quicker. Nope. After an hour and 15 minutes... We were rushing, running fast as we could to get to our gate. We got to our gate. We said, hey, we're here. We're with the Murphys. Still a boatload of people around. And the lady says, I'm sorry, sir. Stand to the side. You've missed your flight. I didn't feel very Christian all of a sudden. <laughs> I took a deep breath. I looked around, Jeff Murphy, quick-witted guy, thinking through, okay, how do we make this work? How do we solve this problem? All right, hey, how are you doing? So tell me, ma'am, again, what's going on? You know, trying to be sweet. She's like, sir, step aside. 
And I stepped aside for a moment, and I sat there for literally another 30 minutes as a bunch more people got on that plane. So I started thinking, all right, these are people who got on the flight because we weren't there on time, but we were here an hour and 15 minutes early. I just can't understand why she can't let us on. So I said, ma'am, is this sort of a judgment call because we weren't here on time? She said, yes, sir, I have the right to make the decision. You weren't here soon enough. I gave your flight away. I was like, but man, we were here an hour and 15. I told her, I said, isn't this like the old days where if they knew someone was coming and the security line was long, you'd still let them on? She's like, we don't, we don't, you know, we don't talk to them down there. And we don't, have, we don't communicate with security. That's someone different than our airline. So I won't mention any, any airlines but we missed our flight. My family sat there. My kids were like, Dad, aren't we going to go on vacation? Are we going to make it? I mean, it took everything within me to not just like, just go off. And I did. I tried, I tried sweet. I tried like stern. I tried to like look up people's phone numbers who I thought worked for this airline. I'm like, nope, I'm not doing that. Just let it be. Just let it go. I started singing that song. Let it go. Let it go. I don't want to. Okay. Yeah, you know, I have little girls, so. So I let it go. But here, here's, here's what I grasp. That plane took off. Whether I was on it or not, that plane took off. We missed our flight. We waited a few hours, got another flight. But here, here, here's for most of us. Just in the very same way, Jesus said, listen, there's some good news. And all you got to do is turn away and start coming along this way, and you're going to experience, like, life and me and everything exactly the way I want you to. But for many of us, sometimes we can get lulled to sleep, take a picture too long, lollygag around, and for many of us, we can miss, really miss what God's doing. Jesus starts this conversation out. He's starting out this message, then he goes into phase two of his sermon, and he goes on to say, he goes, as Jesus walked beside, this is Mark writing this, as Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he begins to call us for his followers. He says to Simon and the brother of Andrew, casting the net into the lake, he says to those guys, hey, guys, come follow me, Jesus says to them, and I will send you, or in essence, I will make you. The, the, the book of Luke, who also writes this account, says that Jesus is going to make them something. And again, you would have thought Jesus would have said, I'm going to make you more spiritual. I'm going to make you more organized. I'm going to make you a better dad or a better husband or a better student or all these things Jesus could have said. Jesus doesn't say those. He comes right out of the gate and says, if you're going to really experience knowing me and being on board with me and, and like really having all of me and experiencing everything that I hope for you, I want to make you into something. And so he goes on to say, I'm going to make you into someone who follows. And he makes a point as he walks by the Sea of Galilee and makes a connection that these guys were laying down their nets, they were fishing. He says, I'm going to make you out to people who fish for people. I'm going to turn you in. I'm going to, along the way, whether you can grasp all this all up front or not, but I'm going to, along the way, leverage you and allow you to go fishing for, not fish out of the sea, but like for men, for women, for boys, for girls, for children. I want to leverage you for others along the way. 
Now, if you just ponder that for a moment, um, it's amazing to think that God wants to use us. God could have God could have done this a bazillion different other ways. But when Jesus left the earth and ascended into heaven, he says, I'm going to send another, and I'm going to use him inside of you even greater than me. Now, this is not to get into, like, who's the greatest. That's not the point. The point was Jesus is saying, I want to use you to change the world. The reason I love our church is because God has been doing this. We have what you call here a beautiful mess. (laughs) I mean, it's hot on Sundays sometimes. Some people show up and they're like, oh my gosh, I don't know if I can walk through these church doors. And a friend says, no, no, it's cool. You, can, you don't have to check your baggage at the door. Because at this church, we understand God wants to leverage your story, your problems, your insecurities, your mistakes, the stuff that you don't want anybody to know about. God wants to use that for somebody else's forever. And, he, and right out of the front, right out of the gate, Jesus says to his disciples, I want to use you, you jacked up, misplaced, smelly guys on the side of the lake fishing. I want to use you for the grand purpose of bringing people back to myself. And when you really, really think about this, when you really let this soak in, you and I, we would not be sitting here today had they not said and understood that following Jesus is fishing. You and I would not be here today if those guys didn't fish. You grasp that? What's been happening in this church is God has been leveraging people's stories and you have either gone out and said, hey man, I want to tell you about Jesus or you just said, hey, I want you to come to church. However, God has used you, used people like us to bring people back to himself. So Jesus walked by the sea. He said, follow me. And guess what happened? In verse 15, it says, all at once they left their nets and followed him. They just decided all of a sudden, like, I don't know. There's some advantages here. There's, there's something about this guy. Obviously, at this point, Jesus hadn't died. He hadn't risen from the dead. But there was enough about him that they said, we're willing to go all in. We're willing to start following. And then when, when they had gone a little further, Scripture says, Jesus saw James, the son of Zebedee, and his brother. Here's more guys. And John were all on a boat. And they were preparing their nets. And it said, without delay, he called them. And I love this. And they left their father, Zebedee, in the boat with hired men and followed him. <laughs> My dad would have been ticked. <laughs> Think about how your dads were responded back in the day dude just came by and stole my help, right? These guys, Jesus is passing by. Maybe they'd heard a little about them, learned a little bit about them, but all of a sudden, Jesus does like a miracle. If you know anything about this story prior to this, Jesus tells them to cast on the other side of the boat. They hadn't been catching anything. All of a sudden, Jesus fills their, their, their nets up. They've caught tons of fish. So at this per- their point, this guy walks back by. They're like, hey, hey Dad, we got to go. Dad's probably saying, all right, boys, We're not catching much now. We caught more with him anyways. Just go. Just go. We'll figure it out later. And all at once, these guys surrendered their hearts and lives and said, we're on board. Now, I don't believe they had a whole lot of understanding at that point what he meant when he says, I want to make you fishers of men. I'm sure they didn't grasp it. But what we understand is when they started following Jesus, 
he didn't quite probably do and ask of them what they thought he would have asked of them. And can I tell you right up front this morning or this afternoon, when I became a Christian, um, like most of us, I didn't come in for, I didn't have the most pure of motives. I honestly came in for the advantages of following Jesus. When you look at Christianity from outside, there's some radical advantages of, of knowing Jesus. Am I right? I mean, one, salvation. One, eternity in heaven. Two, I don't go to hell, right? I mean, there's some, there's some awesome advantages of following Jesus. I mean, we, we see this and we understand this if you're a Christ follower. But when I became a Christian, it was for purely selfish motives. And like a lot of us, we come in for a variety of reasons of how God can help us in one way, shape, or the other. We need God to fix us. God, fix my marriage. God, fix, fix my heart. God, save me. You know, I'm, I'm so sinful, so stuck in my ways, so stuck in my mess. God, help me, right? All of us, when we start out, we come in because of the, the advantages of knowing Jesus. And these guys were the same way. They came in for all these reasons. But can I tell you this morning, his goal, Jesus' goal, wasn't simply and isn't simply to follow and just be a good person. That's not, that's not the whole complete picture. It's not just about I'm going to follow Jesus and become better. It's not just I'm going to follow Jesus and become gooder. That, that really wasn't what Jesus said in the beginning. What's crazy is here's the perfect, holy, maturest believer that ever walked the earth, Jesus. And he said, I want to take your life, your story, and I want to leverage it to become a fisherman. Fishing for people so that, like what we say around here oftentimes, so that every man, every woman, every child can know God. And had those guys not fished, then we would not know Jesus today. Because God, ironically, uniquely, set this up in such a way that he wanted to use us to propagate his story. But most of us don't come in thinking about those things. Jesus said, if you follow me long enough, I'll take you past all the temporal stuff and I'll make you into something. I'll take you past all the temporal stuff. You ever thought about the kinds of things that we pray for? I usually pray for me. I'm normally praying for like my stuff and my little world. I'm praying for God help me to be a better husband. I'm praying for God help me to communicate better to the church. God help me to be a better pastor. God help me be a better, better husband. Help me to be smarter. Help me be more organized. Me, me, me. A lot of stuff is me. God says, I want to take you past the temporal stuff. Meaning, this life is going to end at some point. And I know having a great marriage is important and God want to use that. But, I mean, come on. There's something bigger than even our marriage. There's something even bigger than like whether I'm, you know, sort of living in a small house or a big house. There's something bigger than, than some of the temporal stuff. There's the internal stuff. There's the forever stuff. And Jesus says to these guys, if you allow me to, if you follow me long enough, I'm going to make you into something that's going to take you past and bring you to a more mature place than thinking about just yourselves. And can I say there's nothing wrong with praying for yourself? Nothing wrong with, with begging God in a time of need. Jesus says, come to me, all you who are he weary and heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. 
Take, cast all your cares on Him. I'm quoting Scripture verses. Cast all your cares on Him because He cares for us. All through Scripture, we see God wants, to, wants us to bring our cares and our needs to Him. But I'm telling you what, if that's as far as we go in our maturity, we're going to miss, really miss, really knowing God. Can I tell you this? Um, when I really recognize I need God is when I step out and do something for Him. For example, when I have to speak on Sundays. Do you know that I used to get, I still get, I still get nervous every Sunday. Like I, I, I woke up several times last night. I woke up at 4.30 this morning going, oh my gosh, I got I to gotta like soak in a little more of my notes. I got to pray a little longer. God help me because I, I, you know, I need you. I need you. you know what happens when I step out and I need God, God's provision to do what he's called me to do? Guess what happens to me? I experience God. Like there are days I walk off the stage and I'm like, yeah, get you some. God, I just felt used by you. Wow. I didn't, have, I didn't have half of that cool stuff you just said right there. God, that was awesome. Where'd that come from? Right? How often have you stepped out and, and lived in such a way that your life, jacked up as it is, served a greater purpose than just your prayer of, God, help me, help me, help me. But if you lived your life in such a way that you stepped out of your comfort zone, you were a friend to somebody, you loved somebody, you stepped out and gave, you, you stretched, whatever it is to sacrifice. You know when you feel like, I was just used by God, is when you step out of your comfort zone and you say, God, I want to fulfill the purpose of following you. Because what God said to the early followers, what Jesus said to the early followers is, following is fishing. And if you and I want to get to a place of where we really see and experience God and we really see this world change, it's going to be because we step out and give our hearts to doing what God wanted us to do. Now, I got a little bit of homework today. And I wanted to, to, to tell you that what I want you to do before next week, like either today or tomorrow or sometime next week, I want you to, I want you to go out and find 10 people Ten people, no less. And I want you to go up to every one of those people. I want, I want you to say this exactly verbatim. I want you to say, God loves you and so do I. No, I'm just kidding. No, I'm just kidding. Seriously, I'm just kidding. Some of you guys are like, whoa, that's what I was taught before. And let me, can I just say, there's nothing really wrong with that. But I can, take, can I tell you, it's so, this is a process. God wants to take your whole life. Some of you are still on the fence like, I'm not so sure about following Jesus and that being fishing. God allows us and affords us life. 2 Samuel 14, 14, one of my favorite verses says, God doesn't just sweep life away. Instead, he leverages stuff in life, problems in life. Times we trip up, times we make mistakes. God leverages that. He doesn't sweep it all away. Instead, he leverages it to bring us back to himself. Some of you think you have blown it so bad that you can't ever really be used by God. You think, well, this message doesn't work for me. How can I mature and really know God because I'm so bad? No, no, no. Let, let, me, let me show you this verse. John 5, 15, 5 says this. One of my favorite verses. Underline this one somewhere. John 15, 5 says, I am the vine. Jesus speaking of himself. I am the vine. And you are the branches. And if you remain in me and I in you, Guess what will happen? You will bear fruit. You see, I 
I talk to a whole lot of Christians, and they think the number one goal of becoming a Christian, Christian is becoming the smartest Bible person there is. Can I tell you, it, 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 it deeply saddens me that some of the smartest Bible people I know are the meanest people I know. Some of the people that I've been around that quote the most Scripture and have the most things memorized have missed the point. It's not about how much you know, it's how much you do. Right? And it's not doing out of duty, it's doing out of, oh my gosh, Jesus filled my net. Jesus changed my life. Yeah, I'm jacked up still, I haven't got it all together, but he, he saved me. He loved me when nobody else would, I'm for him. See, when we can get to the place where we recognize wherever you are in the line of your growth or your faith or your surrender to him, when we get to the place that God wants to use us, every bit of your story, don't, don't hide from any of it. When we get to that place, God will open doors for us for us to have influence in other people's lives. I'll tell you what, you've heard me share the story about Cheryl Green. Cheryl Green was a school teacher I had. She was beautiful. Now, that helped. And I was young. And I was like, oh, my gosh, my teacher's so hot. Right? I'm just saying. I'm a little guy. I'm like 10 years old. She's beautiful. But I struggled in school. And she was loving to me. She was kind to me. She took her time with me. She showed me grace. I couldn't sit still. They had invented ADD medicine. They didn't even know what that was just yet. I got spanked by everybody that I knew but Mrs. Green. I'm not saying not discipline your kids. <laughs> I've been spanked by everybody else. I had my discipline. But for whatever reason, she stuck out in my mind. God leveraged the influence of Cheryl Green to bring me to Christ. I sit here this morning because of people like Cheryl Green who showed me grace, who loved me, who modeled their abilities, who modeled their imperfections, who modeled their problems in so many ways that matched up to me, God used every bit of that to shape my life. God wants to use us in the lives of somebody else's forever. And as a church, it's why we exist. It's why we exist. No, 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 wait a second. Jeff, are you serious? You're saying the reason, because some of you are sitting there, what about me? What about me? What about me? Listen, God wants to take you to a place of maturity. Following means fishing. You see, we think this is all about, because we read a verse in the Bible that says, oh, God wants us to become somebody who doesn't eat milk any longer and we eat meat. And we quote this meat verse. But can I tell you something? God says it's not, not the point of being the smartest. It's not about meat. It's about, what is it about? Fruit. 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 We grow when we surrender our hearts to God. We grow when we follow. What's following? It's fishing. You, you want to grow? You want this church experience to be something that matures you? Can I tell you something? It's not rocket science. It just play a role in what God's doing. If you and I will play a role in what God's doing and step out of our comfort zones like I have to do on Sundays and I have to do when I have to open my mouth and I'm like, I don't know how to talk to that person. I'm scared. I don't know what to say. God's just, just he's like, shh, shh, let me do all the talking for you. Just, just show up. Just be there. Just be a friend. Just open up about where you're at. 
and I will do the rest. Earlier in the last hour, I told just a quick story about Roy Sharp, who's a guy in our church. Roy was on the second row. Roy Sharp was a guy who we met his family because our daughters were friends. They started school together. And so we're like, all right, our daughters are friends, and so we should meet the parents. And so they started hanging out. We started letting them get together at Chick-fil-A's and playgrounds and those sorts. But Roy and his wife were just always like, like this to me. You think it helps me by becoming a, like being a preacher, like with like people coming to Christ? No, it's terrible. It's terrible. Like everyone like, closed doors, closed doors, I'm a preacher. Oh, God, he's weird, right? It's like I'm 45. I can't even connect with the rest of you under 45 now. I'm like ancient, right? But Roy's like, no, 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 no. I remember inviting him before when we were, I kept on saying, hey, we're going to launch a really cool church. You're going to love it. And I had no idea what it was going to be like. I'm like, I hope it's cool. <laughs> I, don't, I hope it's good. I hope it works. But he kept on just like, no, 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 no. And it was hilarious. Like he would come up with the craziest, funny things. Chris and I would, li- would laugh and just say, we don't know if we're going to connect with this guy. And I just remember Roy and our daughters, and one time Christy, remember his wife saying something about how his daughter was struggling, and we got talking about our daughter's struggles. We talked about our own personal struggles, and the door began to open. And I remember him inviting him several weeks after the church launched, and he came up to our apartment to pick up his daughter, and I was like, Roy, come on, bro. Sunday's going to be awesome. Let me tell you what I'm talking about. And I'm like, what am I talking about? Let me qu- oh, yeah, yeah. And so I told him. And he was like, yeah, that'd be good, that'd be good. And I'm thinking, he's not coming, he's not coming. He shows up. Now, fast forward five years into this thing. Two weeks ago, I'm at Roy's house. He has two pool parties at his house. I'm supposed to be at both of them. One was for his son's birthday. We showed up for that, and I'm looking around the pool, and I'm going, almost every person here goes to my church. Almost every person here I have seen get baptized. Almost every person here I know of, like, one time or another, bowed the knee to Christ and made Jesus leader forgive their life. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, Christy, every person here is because Roy invited someone, one of his family members, one of his running buddies. And Roy used to tell me stories all the time. Like, he was like, he tells me he was the worst person in the double churches area. Like, he was like, he's like, everybody knew me. Like, I, I was chased by the cops all the time. He told me one time. He used to stand on that bridge going over Double Church's Road and throw bricks at cars. Bad Roy. Right? Like, that's, that was one of your kids. One of your kids, right? And Roy's like, that was not even, I'm just telling you the stuff I don't want to tell you right now. Right? Roy, Roy gives his life to Christ a few years back. Transformation. Roy comes to Christ. Roy's wife comes to Christ. My best friend, daughter's, Ashley's best friend, Chloe, comes to Christ. This last year, my daughter and Chloe get voted in for, like, student council, yada, yada, yada. Like, I don't know what they all, vice president, president, secretary, whatever, all that stuff. I never got voted for any of those in my school. But they did. And they were interviewing them, and they had to write a paper about, you know, what they were going to do to change the school and, where, you know, who they were. And both of them wrote all these things about how God gave them strength. Now listen to this. This is where the rubber meets the road. Their teachers said they couldn't write that. Their teachers said they couldn't say that in school. That's cool. We're not going to, I'm not going to blow up at the airline lady. We're not going to blow up at the teacher. We may believe a little different. We may think we can or can or whatever. Let me tell you what happens. I'm trying to, how do you educate our daughter on this? What kind of stance do we take? Do we like blow up? I'm the preacher. It's going to get in the news. I'm going to go down and tell that school what's up and, you know, 
Is I going to be influenced? I don't know. I'm wrestling all that, right? So we tell Ash, Ash, and, we, and Chloe's talking to parents, and the parents are talking, how do we educate our kids? What do we do? You do have rights, all that kind of stuff, right? You can pray in school, but, well, not anymore. Well, kind of, but, you know, it's silence. The whole deal, right? We tell Ash, Ashley, go love that teacher. Don't fight with her. Don't walk in there tomorrow and say, I'm mad because you won't let me. Eventually, somehow the teacher just thought they were so kind in how they handled it that she went and said to the principal, hey, I don't know what to do here. I said no. The principal comes to both of our daughters and says, you know what? You've handled this so well. Whatever you want to say in front of the student body is fine. Several weeks later, this is awesome. I cried as my daughter stood up and said, like quoted scripture about how God gave her strength. And I'm thinking, all because Roy found Christ. All because people in our church didn't stay covered up. Understood that if I'm going to really know and experience Jesus, following Jesus is fishing. And can I just tell you, if you're here and you want to become a mature believer, if you've been a Christian a long time, you're kind of stuck, let God use your story. When God opens the doors with your hairstylist, when God opens the doors with the person that, I don't know, does anything in your life, when God opens that door for the person at work, let God use your story. Let God use your story. And understand this, that real Maturity is not meat, it's fruit. It's what God is doing in us that comes out. And church, if we're going to stay authentic, if we're going to stay and we stay on the move, and we continue to be salt and light, as Scripture says, and if we'll continue to be like open-minded with sharing our stories with people and just not being fearful, like, oh my gosh, I can't share this. Think, well, th- people will think I'm bad. Can I just tell you, there's somebody out there right now who needs to know that God's touched your life. And somebody out there right now that God's positioning you perfectly for you to have a hand in their spiritual life knowing who God is. Let's pray. Lord, I just thank you for what you've done in this church. I thank you for just today being a day where we can talk about what's the point and be reminded, God, that you really want to use us and help us not to get lost on where we focus our time and our energy. God, I remember last week Kirk Nowry, who was here, said the only thing that lasts forever are the souls of men and women, children, boys and girls, And God's word, God himself, that's the only thing that lasts forever. God, if that's the case, then we've got to realize that you are coming back someday. And you're going to take everyone with you who knows you. God, you've given us the most incredible opportunity. And I pray for the person who's scared to death, thinking, I don't know what to say and what to do. God, help us just to be, just just be a friend. Share our story when, when someone asks what, what, what's going on with you? Not that we have to know it all. But God, I pray you would just help us to start following you. And you promised us you would make us fishermen. So Lord, I pray that our hearts today would be receptive to the word we heard from you this morning, God. 
And God, I just pray you would this week open the door for us to do just that. Share our life. Share our story. Allow you to leverage it for somebody else's forever. God, I just pray right now in this, this moment, in this service, there's anyone here that has never made you leader and forgiver of their life. God, I pray in this moment they would just, with their, you know, just with their hearts, with their mouths, with their minds, just, just cry out to you and just acknowledge, Jesus, I need you. Save me. God, I need you. God, because what Jesus did on the cross, I want to ask him to be the leader and forgiver of my life. Scripture says if you believe in your heart, confess with your mouth, believe in your heart, that Jesus is Lord, it says you will be saved. God, I pray that you would continue to use this church to see thousands and thousands of thousands of people to come to know you. Lord, we love you. We thank you loving us more than we deserve. In your precious name we pray, amen.